This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and. Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone, and he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate Dax Milne on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time. In one seat of time zones. That means it's time for the Demi debate. Brought to you by CampusCan.com. Chris Moxley's here. Matt Bruning is out sick, so we wish him the best. Austin Nace is here, and I'm Felix Sharp on a suspended version of tonight's show. Does college football have a new Anthony Richardson? Does Georgia have one of the best QBs in the country? And we play a spring game version of buy or sell, but we start with Kyle McCord, uh, who had. Ohio State had their spring game this past weekend. McCord was six for, excuse me, 18 for 34 for 184 yards with one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, but he generally did not good, look good at six straight drives without a touchdown and had a near pick six. Austin, I want to start with you here. Um, should we be concerned about McCord's performance in the spring game? He did actually have one interception just to, you know, not to. Not to uh, make him look better than he he is. Um, and three that were dropped. Were there <laughs> three, three three near interceptions? Look, I, I'm not that worried about it. I think overall, missing the majority of his starting wide receivers. I know Harrison played a couple snaps, but beyond that, wasn't ever going to do much. No reason to get him injured. I know Agbuka. No, you know Fleming for whatever we think of him. Brandon Ennis isn't on campus yet. There are a bunch of the other guys, so it, it was kind of a makeshift wide receiver group. But I do think a makeshift wide receiver group of all five stars. I mean, yes, that's it's a it's a fair it's a fair complaint. I think it still showed that for the crowd that says that you just plug and play the guy at Ohio State that it's a little more difficult than that. 
I think you really, you know, they've kind of gotten a little bit lucky with Fields and, and Stroud over the past four combined years or whatever they've had. But I still think he'll be fine in the long run. I really don't think this offense is going to struggle at all. They just have such an embarrassment of riches there, and they have other quarterbacks to go to if they need to. But I, I think he'll be fine at the end of the day. I'm not expecting a Stroud season from him or a field season. I'm just not. But I still think he'll be fine. I do. I, the, the conversation I think will shift to does he stay two years there or not? And what does that mean for some of the other pieces there? You know, Devin Brown, Kineholz, whoever else, Aaron Nolan, wh- whoever else they bring in there. I think that's going to kind of be where this discussion shifts as the year goes on. Yeah, I I, I thought he was terrible. Like, I, I, I kind of don't know what else to say. I thought he looked really bad on the day. Um, I don't think that's who Kyle McCord is as a player. I just thought he struggled a lot, just to be to be frank and honest about kind of how his spring game was. I think he was much better in spring practice, according to all reports. And I think he's a better quarterback than he, he showed, but he was bad. They led the first team offense went six straight drives without a touchdown. You can't, you can't do that for Ohio state period. Regardless of what quarterback is under center, this offense should be good enough with Ryan Day's scheme and whatever quarterback is brought in to do so. So I think there's a little bit of concern period. I think Ohio state fans are, are kind of melting down on social media. And I, I don't want to say it's unfounded based on what we saw, but I think Kyle McCord is better than this. And I, I think that he will be the the day one starter. I don't, I don't have a lot of concern about that. I just think he's a better player. I just think he's the best player currently on the roster in this system. Well, that that's the question. Is he going to be the day one starter? Because I think I said at one point, I thought, I thought there was a 70% chance that Kyle McCord would start day one. I think that that's down to, you know, maybe 65 or so. Austin, would you say that the door is now open for Devin Brown to now steal this job in the fall? Because, you know, Steve Sarkeesian came out and called Quint Ewers the starting quarterback. Ryan Day has not said that Kyle McCord is the is the, uh, is the the starting quarterback for Ohio State. Did I say Steve Sarkeesian said Kyle McCord is the star? Steve Sarkeesian called Quinn Ewers the starting quarterback. Ryan Day has not done the same. Drunk. Has not done the same with their quarterback. Do you think the door is open now for uh, maybe a little bit wider for Devin Brown? Yeah, this is sports. I mean, anytime you don't step on the metaphorical neck when you have your chance, there's a chance that it comes back and bites you. And I think that it certainly could happen. It does make me wonder a little bit because we we hear this narrative out of a lot of spring practices. You know, quarterback A and quarterback B have been in a tight battle. There's not much differentiating them. One day, one guy looks a little better. The next, the next day, the other guy looks a little bit better. And you're kind of sitting there going like, well, we, we pretty much know that it's going to be player A, though. Like, it's, it's right. not. So I thought, I think we all kind of assumed that that was what was going on at Ohio State. Now I'm a little less sure of that. Like, I'm really wondering if McCord just really hasn't pulled away from him at this point. And Brown is a capable, very good player in his own right. Like, I, I do think that he's... He's a little more gunslinger, so he's a little less of a guy that Ryan Day kind of gravitates to, but brought him in there for a reason. So I am just curious, you know, I, I like like you said, you know, maybe it goes from 70% to 65 or 60% or whatever. But I do think it come back, could come back to bite him, the fact that he he had this opportunity with Brown out and he didn't take advantage of it. I will I will say, I, I don't want to put that much stock in bad performances from spring games either. Like they were down their top three receivers. That that's tough for any quarterback. I understand that Ohio State has these five stars, but Colonel Tate's been on campus for what three months? No, Rogers been on campus for three months. I mean, Jaden Ballard was there and he made a really nice catch, but like 
I think we're expecting him to be the four. It just wasn't, an, it's just not an experienced room. So any concepts they're running, they've had very little runway to actually learn them. And it's not that Ohio state's a super complicated system, but it does take a little bit to, to ramp up. It's not like a plug and play system. So I, I am willing to give a lot more leeway to, to McCord. I just don't think Devin Brown is like Austin just said, I don't think he's the type of quarterback that we've really seen in that system. And I don't think Ryan day is really itching to get him in there. If he can prevent it, I, I don't know. I think that he'd prefer to have McCord and I think McCord could run the system. Fine. I just won't, wouldn't expect to see the Stroud numbers either. I, he's fine. Matt is behind the scenes. He's dropping in the stats. CJ Stroud was uh, 14 for 21, 175 yards and two touchdowns in his last spring game. Justin Fields, uh, four for 13, 131 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I mean, we know that these are practices. And and to be fair, a defense should be ahead of the offense uh, in spring. You get 15 practices. You don't get that much time. And in defense, you just see ball, get ball. It's that simple. And offensively, you have timing. You know, everything has to be coordinated. It's not that difficult on defense. So it's – I think across the country, we saw defenses were ahead, generally ahead uh, of their offenses. So I will say – Devin Brown is a talented player. I mean, I've – He is. I've made it known that I thought that um, he was – I've had him ahead of Quinn Ewers in in his class and I have drafted accordingly. I kind of think that he might be a little bit better than – then Kyle McCord, they're both, you know, pure pocket passers. I think Devin Brown has a little bit more athleticism. He should. You see him doing backflips uh, at practice with all of his pads on. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Austin. Kyle McCord hasn't shut the door. Uh, and so it's a little bit open. I wish we would have seen at least so, – sometimes there are alleged quarterback competitions, but you have one guy who was running with the ones – and then you have another guy rotating with the twos. That's what happened in Georgia with Brock Vandergriff and Carson Beck. There was an allegedly a quarterback petition, petition, uh, competition there, but Brock Vandergriff did not get any reps with the, with the ones. I don't think we know who is repping with the ones in practices that are not you know, open to the public. Is Devin Brown getting reps with the ones? Is, is it truly a 50-50 split? I think we knew it was last year between Hudson Card and, and Quint Ewers, but I don't, I don't know if we have that much intel for Ohio State, if it's that to- – uh, and that's that such a that that's have- such a bad example, by the way. Just to use the Queen Ewers Hudson better- card example and say some of these competitions are real. Well, that was clearly a fake competition, and they were just putting out smokes. So the card didn't transfer because he did transfer this year once he knew he wasn't going to get the job. Like I'm just I I feel like we keep hanging on to the idea that that was a real quarterback competition. I still don't believe it was, and I I would not I would not compare this and that. It was obvious Queen Ewers was win that job. I don't think that there's an obvious, obvious candidate. I still think it's McCord, but different different conversations. I, I refuse to believe that that was a real competition, despite well, what was being put out. Let's not miss the force for the trees. What I'm saying is, is, at the very least, if a coach is giving one player first-team reps, then there, to me, that is lends some legitimacy to the fact that there's a quarterback competition. Because one thing coaches can't really do is, is lie – about that sort of thing. When they're trying to win a game, they're going to give all the reps to the guy, the guy that they believe is the starter. And uh, uh, it says that uh, Matt adds that it's been McCord with the ones for two or three drives. Then he goes to the twos and Brown goes with the one. So, I mean, it sounds like maybe a 60, uh, a, a 60, 
40 split or so between uh, reps between the two, if I'm reading Matt correctly. Uh, all right. Let's um, – uh, Austin, who's the starter on day one? It's McCord. Or, uh, McCord. They, uh, Mox? Yeah, it's McCord. Yeah. They take on Indiana September 2nd. So we'll see. I mean, you know, no starter named yet. So that battle is going to go into the fall. Um, I always talk about how we have good news and bad news here on housekeeping. Uh, We really do have a lot of support from our audience. And I I can't thank you all enough for leaving your rates and reviews, um, subscribing to the website, uh, the the engagement that we have in the Discord. I wanted to pull out uh, this this review on Apple Podcasts from William B. Welch, who's in our Discord. I forgot what is is it? It's Mr. Mile High. It's Mr. Mile yeah. High. Uh, he adds the best C2C group out there. I've been playing college and Debbie leagues for years, and the Campus to Canton crew and website are by far my favorite resource. Great Discord community as well. I consume two to three hours of college football content a day, and I'm still constantly finding more with these podcasts and their website. Ten out of ten. Uh, hey, you know, we love when you guys leave reviews like that. I mean, sometimes the job can be thankless, but uh, that makes it all the better. Uh, of course, check out the website, campustocanton.com, $2.99 a month or $29.99 for the year to get started. Volume Pigs has really been in his bag doing his work talking about uh, former Arkansas quarterback Malik Hornsby, who's now transferred to Texas Texas State and what his prospects are as a CFF uh, quarterback this upcoming season. And check out the ranking summit from Jared Palmagrin, Justice Chris Kay, and Nate Marquise on the Campus Ken YouTube page if you haven't already. That's a two-hour show. Uh, in uh, uh, if you need some time to pass, I would. It's only on the YouTube page. It is not on the podcast feed. So check it out on the YouTube page. Um, the Debbie Guide, May 1st, right around the corner. Can you pre-order that, Austin, Chris? I believe so. I believe I believe Colin has, we don't even has opened it up and, okay. and we can do that. You can pre-order the Debbie Guide for $20 at campustocanton.com. And uh, one thing that I always forget to plug here, well, I always forget to plug the Daily Draft Report. And Dwight uh, reminds me. So listen. I thought, to you, I thought you were going to go the whole. I the thought it whole was time it was yeah. on. Yeah, I thought it yeah. was too. <laughs> no, I was. I always forget. <laughs> I always forget the daily draft report, uh, and then the better sports show. Uh, we are having a lot of fun being silly on the Betty's Better Sports Show. If you support us and what we're doing, go ahead and find us on Friday nights. I think it's at seven p.m. that that show airs. At least on the YouTube page, the Better Sports YouTube page. Click the like button. We want to let those folks know that uh, C2C has a following. The format and us uh, so website that we have a following. So go ahead and like that video. All right. I want to, uh, of course, check out the podcast feed. I want to get into a little uh, uh, spring game, buy or sell here. Uh, the last two weeks, this upcoming week and last week, it, 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 outstanding for college football. Uh, a lot of action here. We got to see. Um, some of these freshmen in action for the first time this year. Lenore Sellers, Lenore Sellers looked explosive. South Carolina freshman quarter, uh, quarterback. I think I've tweeted that he has the potential to be the face of college football at some point, not only because of his gameplay, but you don't see a quarterback wearing glasses all the time. Um, like Rodrigo Blankenship, 
the kicker for for Georgia, just a kicker. Just imagine a a, a quarterback uh, who can ball, you know, out there wearing glasses wrapped around his head. And uh, David Nipple for the freshman guide did the profile on Norris Sellers. He added Sellers is one of the few dual threats in this class. He's the most twitched up athlete at the position, which shines through in both his passing and running. His velocity overexpected. That's a measure of how fast that ball is traveling over different distances and making different throws. It's the fourth best in the class. He can hit receivers 60 yards downfield with a flick of the wrist. He shows considerable zip on intermediate and off-platform passes. He displays good vision, flexibility, and power as a runner. I, I don't have his dimension. I think he's He's 230 pounds, 6'3 or so, 230 pounds. Uh, Sellers yeah, played his exactly. best ball in the biggest games. Games. Lastly, he had a 4.95 GPA. So theoretically, he has the smarts and work ethic to see, succeed. I have no idea how somebody can have a 5.0 GPA. That just makes no sense to me. Um, Austin, buy or sell Anthony, or excuse me, buy or sell South Carolina freshman quarterback Lenora Sellers as the next Anthony Richardson. This is an audio medium. I'd start filling space. Oh, man. I, uh, I'm i going to buy. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to buy. This is the hottest I've ever seen Austin. Okay. Because he – so here's the thing. We talked about this a lot with Anthony Richardson. Like the, the Felix – totally shifted what the framework of the Anthony Richardson argument was from a cost perspective to he's going to be good and you guys are dumb because you can't see it. He didn't really say that, but I think he, you shifted the goalposts on that argument so quickly and we're all just too amateur to keep up with your debating skills. <laughs> but the argument really with Anthony Richardson was always cost. He was a great buy when he was cheap. And then once he was going in the top, you know, four rounds of a startup, I just couldn't, I, that was too rich for me. Sellers is cheap. I mean, he's our QB 11, so he's not like a you know QB 35. You take him in the last round of your draft and you kind of hang on to him like Richardson was back in the day. But I can also guarantee you if we were around back then, he wouldn't have been either. But he has a lot of the athletic things that we really, really like. You know, he can, he can really, really run. He's got a great arm. He's kind of a gamer, like some of those things you can't necessarily quantify. I do think... It's going to be tough because they have another quarterback coming in next year who they actually very much like, and he's been a major recruiter for them, Dante Reno. He, he's put helped put together the big class they have coming in. So I think there is a dynamic there that maybe that we have to consider beyond just what's happening on the field. But I do think that if you're getting him in the fifth, sixth round of supplemental drafts, you know, maybe even like mid, mid fourth round or in a startup, you know, round 12 15 plus i think you're really happy with that i think he could develop into a guy that just based on his athletic tools could be a, a, a an nfl qb i mean and we like i said qb 11 in our rankings our, our predictive model loves him we had him as you know a, a four-star type guy so we we like him here there's no no uh dispute for me on that mox buy or sell oh i'm buying just i mean i love lenore sellers um like I, I just think he's a super, super talented player. Uh, I, I mean, I was in on him when he was at Syracuse too, and that was before he really took off in his recruitment. So his senior year at South Lawrence, um, in uh, South Carolina was exceptional, like truly, truly exceptional. And his in the playoffs, he was awesome. And then the state championship game 
excellent. I think that was Dave, what David was referring to. Like his playoffs were just spectacular. He was a very, very late and fast riser given what his skill set is. And I think that, so I actually watched uh, Dante Reno today because I know Austin really likes Dante Reno. He's been skeptical of where to value sellers. I think because of that, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's basically what he just said. So yeah, I'm not yeah, accurate. Um, I don't think Reno's as good as sellers. I, like, I, I just think they're a different tier if I was, if I was to rank them. Um, I, ju- I just think he's a fantastic player. I, if you watched his spring game, he was making throws that were mature throws. And the one throw he had down the sidelines where the ball went over his head and he collected it and just shocked it like 25 yards. It, he caught, I don't know if it was caught out of bounds or like he just dropped it. I don't, I don't remember the angle isn't super clear at either. That was a pretty special throw. And I mean, you were looking at him and he, the way he moves six, three to two thirty. Uh, I, he, yeah, he's, he's a pretty special player. I don't think he's quite the athlete that Anthony Richardson is. I mean, Anthony Richardson is the best athlete of all time at the quarterback position at this point, like period, like, that, like just testing proves that out. Uh, but he's pretty dang good. And I expect him to be the starter next year over, uh, over Reno, over Luke Doty, over whoever is currently on the roster. I, I think he's almost like like a Jalen Hurts level athlete. Like I think that's I think that's fair, but he's I mean, but he he's, is. But he's like, I mean, Jalen Hurts is isn't. So when he played it, when he played college, he was not two thirty. No, and it's like more stylistic. Like Hurts doesn't necessarily have the crazy change of direction. Like he almost runs a little more like a running back like a bruising running back. Mm. And I think that Sellers is kind of similar in that regard. Like he's not, he's not yeah. like the Lamar, you know, that runs like a Deager and he's not like the, the Cam Newton, Anthony Richardson, where they just like overwhelm no. you with their size. I think he kind of falls more into like the, the Hertz level of a runner stylistically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad for him. Cause I mean, he's all no. th- there will, he will probably end up if he does, you know, exceed expectations being like two six three two forty five ish oh, like he's already 230 the second that he enters school it's a big boy. and crazy athletic like he'll be a big he'll be a big boy the play that and Chris his brother and his brother by the way is coming south is south Carolina is heavily recruiting him also really good player and also really good athlete so name keep an eye on for those who don't who did not see the game there was a play in which the ball was snapped over Lenoris Sellers' head. It was a bad snap, and so he's running back. By the way, we should mention that that the threes for South Carolina were live. So Lenoris Sellers, was a, he could be tackled in this game. Um, the ball was snapped over his head, and he was scrambling to pick it up, You know, reaching down to pick it up. And I remember thinking in my mind, okay, let's see what he does here because we we see quarterbacks fall down. We see them freak out. He picks up the ball and rolls to his left left, and shoots a missile to the sideline to a receiver maybe 15 yards down the field. And he did catch that ball out of bounds, but the fact that he was able to do it, stay under, stay under control, stay poised, and throw it. I feel like Anthony Richardson has a play like that on his highlight film, like almost exactly like that. That being said, I am selling Lenora Sellers as the next Anthony oh, Richardson no one because, because of what Chris said. Anthony Richardson is the best athlete we've seen ever at the position, the best size-adjusted athlete. And his straight lines, like speed and power, is just otherworldly. I, I think Jalen Hurts as a rusher is probably the perfect comp for Lenora Sellers. But the other reason why I'm selling it, Lenora Sellers is – 
a better passer than Anthony Richardson was at this stage in his development. His last season at South Florence in South Carolina, he threw four interceptions and had 54 touchdowns. You mentioned that he was under-recruited. He had a freak accident his junior year and did not play. That's one of the reasons why he was under-recruited. Our quarterback, 11. Austin, you mentioned him being a value. He was a value right up until this point. I think that we could see I think we just ruined it. Uh, yeah, and I ha- that's the thing that I hate about this show is I still have drafts to do, and it's you know I don't know that I'll be able to get the value. That's a, 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 a conversation for another time, like when freshman drafts should be. I'm now up for them being like in March, but anyway, Sellers, I think we're going to see his ADP jump a ton. Where I'm talking, where would you? I'm like, yeah, I was going to say where would you? Where would you draft him? Austin was saying like what ten rounds, ten to fifteen. In a startup, yeah. In a startup. Yeah, 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 in a startup. Maybe maybe slightly earlier if it's like, you know, three quarterback or something like that, you know, a little uh, heavier QB starting. I just I just got him in round 28 of a draft like four or five days ago. That's never going to ha- that's never going to happen again. <laughs> that's never going to happen again. Never going to happen again. <laughs> the th- the thing is is where do you take him in a freshman draft? I think if you want to get him, you have to pull the trigger in the third round. Late, late two. If you really want him, you can wait till the early mid third. I, I think. But you, you, I mean, at this point, the hype is there, and I think a lot of a lot of people are really excited about him. So it's you have you're gonna have to, to take him early. Yeah, you have to decide which players are there that you have to have because you can't have everybody. Is he is he gonna be one of them? You have to decide that. By the way. I tweeted during the season last year that Anthony Richardson was one of the five best athletes playing football, not college football, football, football. I was subtweeted on that thing. And then, of course, he goes and posts a, a 10 RAS score and, uh, and, and, and is. That was factual. Did, All right. Let's, I think that actually the big question from Sellers this weekend is did he give credence to every middle aged, overweight guy on the couch at home who, when the ball is fumbled, yells why don't they just pick it up did he did he <laughs> solidify that argument for us he just picked it up I, i've if always just if picked it up fr- and made a play if you're a freak athlete with a upper level arm absolutely the rules do not for apply sure. yeah i forgot to i want to add this one last nugget on sellers he is one of the youngest players in the class he's 17 years old i don't yep. know if he'll be 18 by the time the season starts but you're talking about a 17 year old kid i mean he's he's young he's going to be draft eligible at age 20 uh at age 20 all right let's move on here to arch manning um i think that it was clear in watching the spring game that quinn ewers was number one malik murphy who i every time i bring up malik murphy on this show i am mocked and ridiculed because we haven't seen him and austin called him i don't know what i don't know if austin thinks he's inaccurate or whatever it is i knew that this guy had a rocket for an arm went to tom brady's high school in california and he was like a borderline five-star prospect i don't know how many times i have to see that he balled out he he had velocity he was a playmaker in that spring game we finally got to see him play he was dealing with injuries last year he is clearly the number two. That's not the question here for this buy or sell. Chris Moxley, the question is, buy or sell, Arch Manning plays even one more than one game this season. Does he get into one game or does he start one game? Is that like what's the question? You take does he play four quarters this season? Four full quarters. Oh no, I don't think so. 
Murphy doesn't and, need it for the record. So yeah, I yeah you would you would need injury for it to happen. Period. I, in my opinion, and I just want to throw out there that like Malik Murphy was barely a top two hundred player in this class. He was not like a borderline five star. Just saying, he was. He was part one hundred. He was. He was one hundred ninety-seven. That's that's worse because guys statistically <laughs> that fall their senior season perform. He didn't play his senior so. season. He didn't play his senior season. This is the, co- is the that this also worse? season was the COVID is, thing. Is Malik Murphy the next Anthony Richardson? <laughs> get, get out of here. You, Malik Murphy should be rostered everywhere. Uh, Austin buy or sell Arch Manning plays. Accumulated stat snaps of at least four quarters this season. No, not even close. Not even close. I don't know that Murphy does. So here's the thing with Texas. I'm not sure their defense is good enough for them to be like blowing teams out regularly. Like I think there might be some games where teams are just hanging around. I know they some of the bottom dwellers in the Big 12 kind of stink, but it's like Murphy might not throw you know 77 passes or whatever that we sometimes see out of a backup either. I think their defense is pretty good. I really like Texas this year. I think they're like a top six team in the country. So if that's true, then like you're probably not going to see that guy. But Texas has Rice, then Alabama, then Wyoming, Baylor, Kansas, OU, Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. I think Malik Murphy gets in against Rice. I think he gets in against Wyoming. I think he gets in against Houston. And that the only the it. only way that I would see him not get in against Rice is because it's the first game of the season. We want to see viewers continue to gel with those wide receivers, and you want to see it because they play Alabama week two. I could see that actually not being a game where Murphy really gets in. Because oh, they're going to be up by they're going to be up by sixty though. I'm, I I I'm telling you, they're going to want to be clicking on all cylinders going into that Bama game, especially with how they lost it last year. So can I can I add a buy or sell here impromptu? Sure, buy or sell that Jonte Cook breaks the year one zero against Rice. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. He might just do, he might just do the first week of the season considering all things considered. I, I still don't know if he's, he did. He was not running with the ones. The touchdown that he caught was from Malik Murphy. So You're not, I, he, mean, I mean, I don't think he, he would ever run with the ones in spring practice though. I mean, you have a pretty veteran wide receiver core. So like, I think right. you, you're going to default default to them. But when season comes around and you're playing rice and you're up by 40 and you're throwing on DBs who are going to be car insurance salesmen into like six months, you're probably going to get some John. I, I'm selling, I'm selling him breaking it against rice in week one, but Chris Moxley, for those who are uninitiated, what is a year one zero? Yeah. So there's this, this is really Austin's brainchild. And it's, it's a, uh, the, the idea that, players need to cross certain statistical thresholds in their first year in order to achieve success at, you know, long-term and at the NFL level. If you don't do anything at all in your first year, it's probably an indictment of who you are as a player because coaches also reward hard workers and practice and players who are really improving. So even in crowded wide receiver rooms, you see players break out over time. That's especially true places like Ohio state, even Jameson Williams, who had to break out at Alabama was not a year one zero because he was a good player who was working hard in practice. Players are rewarded. I don't think the Crowder, this basically, in my opinion, backs against the Crowder wide receiver room and then tells you how good a player is performing year one. And that informs kind of how they do long-term. So the, there's like eight thresholds that a player has to do. It's like hundred, hundred receiving yards, five, five rush attempts, uh, a rushing touchdown. There there's, there's a bunch of them. We have a tool on the site that track that tracks that as well. 
we do. And, and Mox is essentially asking, does Zachariah Branch get through the year one zero thresholds in the first game of the Dante season? Dante Cook, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Dante Cook. I have Zachariah Branch. What does USU because- play week one? Because it might be yes as well. Well, we'll look it up here while I ask you the question, throw the question to you, Austin. Uh, since we're talking about both of these freshman wide receivers, Zachariah Branch at USC, Zachariah Branch widely regarded as the number one wide receiver in the class, even according to us, 24-7. I, I don't, I'm not sure on three, but I would guess that they have him as the number one wide receiver because of that speed. He has Tyreek Hill as a comp. Jonte Cook, very good in his own right. Obviously just had the excellent spring game, including the long touchdown from Malik Murphy. Austin, buy or sell, taking Texas freshman wide receiver Jonte Cook over consensus freshman number one wide receiver, Zachariah Branch. Matt's not here, so I'm getting weird tonight. I'm Not only am I buying it, that Cook, I, Cook, Cook is, is better than Branch, I'm buying that at like the relative level, you know, kind of parsing out those top Uh-oh. few guys. It's not even close at the top. Cook is a going to end up being significantly better in college. He's going to be a top five or six NFL draft pick, and he's going to have a much better NFL draft pick. There you go. There's your hot take for the night. You guys are welcome. Austin never hot. gives us flames like that. So he he never gives us something that's quotable that can go on social media. He so was also buying that. Anthony Richardson, uh, Lenore Sellers comp too. Uh, we we're getting uh, Austin. I don't know. Uh, Austin, you didn't work today, did you? Right. This is day I after tax day. You take take the day off. So we don't know what Austin's doing in his spare time today because he is he's wilding. Chris Moxley buying Jonte Cook over Zachariah Branch. No, I, I mean, I personally still prefer Zachariah Branch. I just think he's a really uh, a really special player. And I, I think John T. Cook could be too. I don't want to like, they're both tier one wide receivers in this uh, in, in this class. I mean, if, if you had to, hard to parse them, but I, I really, really like Zachariah Branch. I don't have this information here in front of me, but if you had to pick an offensive play caller to project NFL success, I think that you would pick Steve Sarkeesian over Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley has been great at developing the quarterback position, but I feel like Link, uh, and Marquise and Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb and Mark Andrews. I, I I feel like he's put more receivers into the NFL than uh, Sarkeesian has. Would you give Steve Sarkeesian credit for Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and 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 that and even Jamison Williams? How many? No, how Williams many? Bill O'Brien, but. How many years was he there prior to Lane Kiffin? He Sark was like the what was the overlap overlap there? I don't remember. So, so it was it was Sark was an all like an offensive analyst. Then he became offensive yeah. coordinator at the for the championship game. Then spent one season as offensive coordinator, I believe, before he. I don't know if it was one or two seasons. But then then he made the jump to Texas, but but he's he, like a but, lot I mean, to he's credit got, him just for but, that. But Mar, I mean, Marquise Lee, you can go to Marquise Lee if you want to. I think he's a Marquise Lee is a, a Steve Sarkeesian prospect, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so is there are Juju? other guys, maybe Juju. Um, I mean, Amin, Amin Ross St. Brown was a guy under his tutelage too, right? Like, let us know in the comments, please, Peanut Gallery, like who Sark has put into the NFL at the wide receiver position. Cause I can think of more of the quarterbacks off the top of my head. So, all right. Uh, you uh, mentioned us. I, I did just want to say real quick, something Shane asked cook going to be better than Marvin Harrison jr. I would not bet money on that today, but it also wouldn't shock me at all. Like I think Jonte cook is a, 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 a Justin Jefferson level player at the position. I really, really do. I think that's a fair comp for him. So, and I would, and I 10 times out of 10 would rather have the Justin Jefferson guy than like the six three six four guy, 
for the, for that like you know Julio. Yeah, we know you like you like them. You like them real thick and juicy. We know. So, <laughs> so just saying. Well, we mentioned USC schedule. They get San Jose State to start the season August twenty sixth. So it's the same question for Zachariah Branch that it is for John Cook. And Zachariah Branch is probably starting in that wide receiver core. Then Nevada, Stanford, uh, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona, Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon. So Branch actually probably has the better chance because there are some special teams thresholds in there. And if he's like returning kicks in game one, then he probably returns five kicks against San Jose State or whatever. But he might, he might. He might score a special teams touchdown like the first play, the first play of the game, if if that's uh that's how it lines up, and he is the primary kick returner, which that, he, I think he should be. Which is it's well, he's a he was a punt returner in in, in high school, so um, let's see if he's the return man for USC. Since we are talking about wide receivers, let's talk about another highly touted wide receiver in Texas, A and M wide receiver Evan Stewart. You got Bobby Petrino there to help uh, Jimbo out in calling the plays. Now, in watching this spring game. The offense was stalling at points, and then they just said, you know what, let's just throw the ball to Evan Stewart so we can move the ball downfield. By the way, Texas A&M, have a full practice field. Have a full practice field. These three-quarter fields, stop it. Stop it with these three-quarter practice fields. They don't have, have enough a full money. Field. Have a full field. Uh, Austin, are you buying or selling? Evan Stewart is in for a 1,000-plus-yard season uh, this year with Bobby Petrino calling the plays for Texas A&M. I'm gonna sell it, but I think it'll. I think it'll be within. Uh, he'll be between like 850 and a thousand yards. But I think he'll be just short. And I think there's a number of reasons. I think it's actually a fairly crowded wide receiver room. There's not a lot of stars behind him, but there's enough guys that are gonna demand touches. I'm still not sure how much they're gonna throw the ball in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I think their game plan, generally speaking, is going to be to you know play good defense. You know control. The, the game clock those things so I, I think he finishes just short but i don't think it'll be you know because he underwhelms and has a bad season i think it's just the nature of what texas a&m is at this juncture i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna buy it i i think he is currently either the best wide receiver in that class or at minimum he's second um i think you can make the argument that he is he's wide receiver one for the 2025 class and i i I think they will force feed him the ball because he is clearly the best option in that room. Yeah. There's a lot of guys there. I just think he, he is like by far the best, the best of that group. Chris Marshall transferred out. He's now at old miss. I think Moose Muhammad is going to probably be the wide receiver too there. And I Smith is, is back. He'll be healthy. Um, I still real I still really like Evan Stewart. So I'm going to give him the thousand yards. Part of that is also because I really like Connor Wegman. And I think Connor Wegman can, can do some damage in this offense. He might be the best quarterback that we've seen at Texas A&M. Um, at least, I mean, I think he'll, he'll be better Ever? than Kellen Mond was. So. Ever? Ever? <sighs> Johnny got drafted in the first Johnny got drafted in the first round. Oh, so, like, I can't say ever. Um, and I don't know how, I mean, in the last 20 years, potentially, am I, forget, am I forgetting anybody? Well, Johnny was in the past 20 years, but yeah, but I mean, besides Johnny, right? Like he, he could be, I, I really like Connor Wegman to be honest. I think just think he's a really talented player. So that's baking a lot into how I evaluate Evan Stewart. I think we perceive Jimbo as a conservative play caller. I just don't know what effect, um, 
uh, Bobby Petrino being there is going to have on the offense. I mean, if it was just up to Jimbo, I'd definitely take the under on a thousand, even though he could have between 700 and 900 in, in that offense, that would be a good season. But that being said, like he is clearly like the best player, offensive player on that team. And he is, yeah. if you want to move the ball, you have to get him involved in a number of ways. Uh, uh, but I'm going to still take the under, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to sell, uh, uh, Evan Stewart going over a thousand yards this season receiving, but still probably a, a, you know, a first round draft pick when it comes time for him to declare, to declare for the NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, I don't think his, I don't think his yardage will play any role in his NFL stock at all. Agreed. Agreed. Kind of like Odell Beckham Jr. at LSU. Um, Yeah. we have seen two of the top three running backs in the freshman class play the last weekend in Cedric Baxter and Roderick Robinson. The other uh, player, I think, in that in that category is Justice Haynes, who's been getting a lot of buzz in camp. He was my number one running back in the, in the class, and I evaluated both of these guys for the uh, the, the freshman guide. Um, Cedric Baxter was running with the with the ones and got a short touchdown early with Quinn Ewers on the field. That's important because Steve Sarkeesian feeds one guy, even though there were a lot of running backs that looked good uh, in Texas' spring game, including kind of Jadon Blue, but there was a bad tackling, and then he alligator-armed a pass. I, I think Jadon Blue is going to fall out of favor uh, with that coaching staff. I, I would sell Jadon Blue if he had him. But th- this question is really about Cedric Baxter in Austin. Buy or sell Cedric Baxter – as the RB1 in this freshman class. Yeah, I haven't seen enough yet to shift him, but I do think that Haynes has probably closed the gap. Uh, you know, not that there was a huge gap there, really, but I, I think he's closed that gap uh, quite a bit. I just think the tough thing about projecting, and I like I, it could, is it possible that I could say today that Haynes maybe is more, is more talented than Baxter? I think there's an there's there's an argument there, and you could argue either way, and it wouldn't you know be crazy. But I think the big problem is just going to be that Alabama, like I think this year it's going to be Jace McClellan, and then I do think that it's going to be a battle between him and Jamarian Miller. And I don't maybe he is more talented than Jamarian Miller. I don't really know, but I think it's going to be hard to unseat a guy who hasn't done anything wrong, and is at worst probably like in the same tier of player as Haynes, even if he isn't quite as good. Like I'm not sure that Saban would would make that move. Like maybe they split some time or, or split a role or something like that. So I just don't know, like it might not be for another two or three years that we really see Haynes like fully, fully unleashed. And I think there's a better chance that we see Baxter and he can kind of capitalize on it. So I just think like Baxter is still probably the better buy, but like I would probably take Haynes over. I had Roderick Robinson slightly above him and I'd probably take him over yeah. Roderick Robinson at this point. Mox, I want to, I want to get you in here too, but I, I want to just add that Haynes has been my RB one. Um, he's just a skilled rusher. And this is a question really of opportunity. That's on, that's the only deciding factor yeah. to me. And we just don't, we can't project what justice Haynes opportunity will be. But if justice Haynes was at Texas and Cedric Baxter was at Alabama, this would be like an easy conversation. It would be justice Haynes number one. And I still struggle because that opportunity means a lot. Now, maybe we get some clarity this upcoming weekend with Alabama spring game and we see, you know, that the ones are Jalen Milrow and whoever, and it's Justice Haynes. He's getting a 40 or 30% snap share with the with the ones. Now, I don't I I feel like this is one of the teams that does the they they pick like captains pick sides and they don't actually do ones and twos, if I remember last year, because I feel like it, Jason McClellan was not running with 
the ones last year the, in the spring game, if I if I remember correctly. So the the issue with Jace McClellan was that they were using him as the receiving back, and he was yeah. the direct backup to uh, what's his name, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, because yeah. they kind of use like that thumper, and then like you know, kind of all arounder as like their split backfield, and for whatever reason, McClellan was was pitched as the more you know receiving guy. Yeah, I think the other two were. Uh, Trey Sanders and uh, Rodell Williams. It's a a hard decision to make when you know that Cedric Baxter is going to get the opportunity. Chris Moxley, buy or sell Cedric Baxter as the RB1 in this freshman class. Yeah, I haven't seen enough to change my opinion. And I had Baxter at one as well. And I don't, for essentially all the reasons that Austin laid out. So I'm not going to rehash it. But uh, the opportunity is just so magnificent. I don't know if y'all saw the play where Jadon Blue like could have caught the ball and pulled up because he didn't want to get leveled. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Listen, like it's a business decision in the spring game. But this how is a player who's been who's been how making business decisions. Yeah, like, how he, possibly he is that receiver watching your year? So yeah, so like you got a guy who who we thought was going to be two hundred pounds came in like one ninety. He's already undersized. We haven't really seen him do anything. He fell out of favor last year. He's making business decisions in the spring game when he should be trying to highlight his toughness and like ability to handle a bigger workload. I, I, I just don't know how Cedric Baxter doesn't like take over Blue's role pretty significantly. And I mean, they were they were down um, Jonathan Brooks, who I expect to be the de facto RB one week one. So it's not like we got to see a whole bunch. Of, I, I believe he didn't play. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. And if he did, he barely did. Um, but I, I still really like Cedric Baxter. And I've, I've also come around a lot on closing the gap between him and Justice Haynes. Um, also moving him. Around. I, I always had him above Robinson, but uh, I, I think you're getting like a tier two and then like a bigger tier. Um, like I almost, this this is a different conversation, but I'll I'll throw the grenade out there real quick. I almost moved Cam Selden into my like top five over, from over the weekend. If you want to talk about athletic big backs that are doing things, like I think the gap is closed between those top two and like the next five or six, like pretty significantly. I don't think Cam Seldon looked good this weekend, to be honest with you. I, I, if, if anything, he moved, he did not look like a fluid running back at all, in my humble opinion. Going back to Jadon Blue for a second here, I, this is like a I feel like he's developing a track record for making these business decisions because obviously he did not play uh, his senior year to avoid injury or per, per, the perception is was to avoid. Was that injury. was that the COVID season or did he leave? Did okay, yeah. So it was the year before the COVID season, right? What? Was it twenty twenty? No, it was like it was last year, twenty twenty one. The twenty twenty one senior season. He was a twenty twenty two freshman. Yeah, Texas so it, Texas played a full season. Yeah, season. yeah, yeah. You're right. oh, there was no, there was nothing lost <laughs> there. Of course. If you have enough guns, it keeps the COVID away. So <laughs> Austin is on a roll today. One more here for buy or sell. Um, so uh, we talked about this on Campus Life, and it once again. I was mocked and ridiculed for it, but I am not the only one talking about how Carson Beck played in that game. They talked about it on Cover Three. They talked about it on the Debbie on Brandon Lejeune's podcast, Debbie to Dynasty, today. Carson Beck looked like a player who was placing the ball wherever he wanted to. Now that's different than just completing passes. Like he was placing the 
whatever throw they asked him to make, whether it be opposite hash, whether it be over the shoulder, whether it be in the middle of the field, be on play play action or three-step drop, he was completing all of these passes. And George is going to have, you know, a, a, is it a nine? Who's the, the a, a, is it not? A nine Smith is that Texas? Arian, Arian Smith. Yep. Arian Smith. They've got Dominic Lovett there. They've got who had a, who Flowers. had a touchdown, Arian Smith, at the beginning. But I think it was a end around, right? Touchdown. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and George is going to have positive game scripts. He's a he's Carson Beck, four-star prospect. I've moved him to quarterback 20 in my rankings because this is a year – where you get you get you have a couple of names and then you're taking darts with freshmen. You're throwing darts with freshmen. I think Carson Beck is uh is going to be ball out this season. Chris Moxley, buy or sell Carson Beck potentially being this season's Hendon Hooker-ish player. A guy that can come out of relatively nowhere and have almost a Heisman trophy-like season. A sell because Hennon Hooker's productivity in that offense was just so massive. And I don't think that's going to be replicated at Georgia. I hate, hate, hate the strong word. Um, do I want to use hate here? Yeah, I do. I hate Mike Bobo. Um, I just don't think he's a good offensive play caller. I don't think that he can really run a quality system, to be honest. He was already at Georgia and had to leave. I've Went heard to South he's not Carolina. allowed in South Carolina anymore, like the whole state. No, he's not. Yeah, South, under South Carolina – when he was with Muschamp, I mean, it was all really awful. Um, I don't believe in him. So like, I don't believe in that offense as much as I did with Todd Munkin. I thought Carson Beck was spectacular, honestly, on Saturday though, that one of the first passes that he competed to um, that was, that was Brock Bowers down the sideline that I think it was like, he went out at the five or whatever. And maybe that was the Arian Smith touchdown drive. Um, had a great pass to Ladd McConkie on the other sideline. Like he was, he was, he was making some serious plays. I thought he looked better than Stetson Bennett did um, almost at like any point. And I listen, I'm a Stetson Bennett fan, apologist, whatever you want to call it. But I like Carson Beck is clearly the better player. And you saw that almost immediately. There is no competition at Georgia. Debbie upside. I'm a little bit skeptical. I just, I just really don't know. We've only seen him in spurts last year as the quarterback two, And then in this game, I'm hard pressed to like start taking him in Debbie drafts. I do think you can get some value from him in like that. There is potential upside. There's like there's asymmetrical upside depending on where you're taking him in like a C2C league in terms of how much he could pay off. So do it, but don't like overdo it. If that makes sense. Austin Carson Beck was dealing. Are you buying or selling Carson Beck? Well, so the the price pitched in the Discord was a fifth round supplemental pick, and that is just way too rich for me. Like way, way, way too rich. I would never spend that in a billion years. I thought you were going to say it's way like on the other end. To be to be no. honest, I would pay for the third round supplemental for Carson Beck. No, yeah, I I wouldn't do that in a billion years. No, I I don't. Look, I don't have a strongly formed opinion on the player himself because literally the only real action we've seen him in, and we saw him against a broken TCU team at the end of the year. Like, what were they going to do? And then we saw him in the spring game. But I, I, at fifth, okay, look, context here. I talked about Carson Beck in the Camp Scanton Discord and mentioned that I would spend a fifth round freshman supplemental pick to grab him. Chris seems to be on my side. 
Uh, yes, I would spend a fifth round pick to get the starting quarterback for a national championship contender. They're going to be number one all season. They're going to be positive game script all season. You're not guaranteed to draft a starter in the fifth round. Maybe if you get a CFF guy, but I think that Carson Beck could, could potentially have both CFF potential, maybe not a QB one or two, but he is going to have games where he throws four or five touchdowns. Stetson Bennett did last year. And, and as Chris said, he looked better than Stetson Bennett did at any at any point last season. I agree with that take. So yes, I would spend a fifth round draft pick on on uh, Carson Beck. But Austin, generally speaking, are you buying him? Are you buying the situation? Are you buying the player? Are you buying any of that? I mean, it's so this is Debbie debate. So let's go back to our roots here a little bit, since we don't even ask. Are you ready for the Debbie debates anymore? In a Debbie league, no, I'm not touching this guy with a ten foot pole. I think there's very little value to be gained at all by doing that. In a C2C league, which we talk about, you know, we're, we're campuscanton.com, you have some more outs because if he's highly productive this year from a college fantasy perspective, then, you know, obviously you, you, you accrue some value there. My problem is I don't know that there ever, that he, I would ever feel comfortable starting him for CFF ever. Because what does Georgia typically do? I know it's a new offensive coordinator, but it's going to be the same thing that Alabama's done recently where they bring in a new OC, but Saban still gives them what, what he wants. And he says, you know, make whatever little tweaks you want and you're going to do this. Kirby's doing the same exact thing there. So like when they're playing Vandy, they're still going to pound it 50 times in that game. Like they're still like, I don't know that there's ever a game where they're just going to be like, yeah, we're just going to let Beck air it out 40 times today and see what happens. Like, I just don't know that that's really ever going to happen. So for me, if I'm taking a guy in the fifth round and the Debbie, you know, upside or, or risk reward probably isn't that great, and I'm never probably going to want to start him for CFF, then I would rather either take a freshman who at least probably, you know, the potential could be there for either of those, or I by then if I have like a lot of picks that year, then maybe I've pivoted and I'm taking a CFF guy. I just don't know. He, he's kind of in the middle of those two those two boxes that I would want to check. And I'm just not sure that a, a fifth round pick is a smart, uh, you know, investment in a player with that profile. So I, I chose a random at random fifth round draft, a supplemental draft. The picks were Matt Kippenhammer, Amarian Hampton, Terrence Gibbs, Caleb Brown, Daquan Finn. Okay. Allie Jennings, Braden Bennett, Jordan Hudson, Taven Jackson, Kayla Burton, Javon Preach. Decker. Preach. Like, Preach. Preach. This, I actually accidentally clicked a 16-team league. So even if you go up around, DeJon Stribling, Tobias Merriweather, like, like who are who we who we take? Aaron Anderson, Andre Green. Like, these are all busts. Like, I just like a fifth round supplemental pick is gonna get you a high end CFF set at best. Austin's like, so good. It. All of his picks are gold. Oh, well, yeah. in that league, and I but... think I probably had a bust in the fourth round. So let's not look at that. But let's move on. Yeah, all you did was take T- Keon Gray's, Ramon Brown, Miles Bryce. <laughs> your first three picks. That was not my uh, my greatest draft last year. <laughs> uh, I do want to say this about Mike Bubbo and and Georgia's offense. We we think of Georgia's offense of being two tight end, run the ball, fullback, all that kind of stuff. They ran a lot of five wide and shotgun in this spring game. 
Like, I do not associate Georgia with they five wide. Last year, too. And they were running I that in the spring game. Remember correctly. They aired it out game. a decent amount. Yeah. Bennett threw it like 40 times or something ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, he did. Not a lot, of, not a lot of teams are running in the spring game like anymore, to, to be honest. Like even teams that you expect to run. Yeah, it and just then we get to doesn't it. happen. And then we get to the game. He's he, we, you get you get to the game. Kirby Smart is going to be like, uh, put the ball on the ground. My defense is going to win this for us. So, all right, uh, let's get okay. We went into the spring games from last week with by ourselves. I want to look forward to this weekend spring games. There are a lot again. There are a lot of teams in action. Uh, Louisville plays on Friday, Syracuse on Friday, Minnesota, Texas Tech, LSU, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Utah, Wisconsin, Alabama, Colorado. That game is on ESPN. That game is on ESPN. The Colorado's? Colorado's is on ESPN, yes. Not ESPN Plus, on ESPN. They sold out their uh, season tickets for the first time in 27 years. They did. They still have their season. Well, I'm glad I got a ticket then to the first game, home game. Uh, Oregon, Oregon. I need, bowling to, I need to book my. I need to book my hotel accommodations. Um, I might be staying with somebody in Colorado. You have a um, you have a spotty track record with that. With booking. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's an after show an after show story. Oregon State, Oklahoma, Stanford, Washington, Washington State. Uh, I want, yeah, I, I did a bad job of booking hotel accommodations for Austin, myself, in New York. Um, uh, Mox, any particular player that you're looking for, uh, uh, or you know, any particular storyline that you're looking forward to tracking this weekend? Yeah, I'll actually keep with Colorado. I want to see how full the uh, the bowling alleys get after the uh, the spring game. <laughs> You you guys keep t- talking about inside <laughs> jokes. People do not know what you're talking, what you're re- referencing here. Okay, I'll uh, I'll I'll lay it out, lay it out real quick for people. Uh, we were in the Better Sports Show earlier this fall. Felix talking or er, er, earlier this this year, I guess was probably time actually. Uh, Felix was talking about how the town of Boulder, Colorado, which has a median house income of like nine hundred thousand dollars, is no, suddenly it's a, it's a, it's okay, a million dollars is suddenly revitalized because Deion Sanders has taken over the program. The bowling alleys are going to be bumping and it's just gonna be an influx to the local economy of Boulder, Colorado. So that is the background background for that. But I am actually interested interested to see how Travis Hunter performs as a wide receiver because I've always felt that he could do either. I think he's a very good corner, and I think he should be a corner. But if he is and does choose to be a wide receiver, I think he can excel. I think the that like there's a lot of clips go, of him going around, and even Nate Marquise was like, ah, it's kind of like a weird like position for him. Like he looks awkward. I don't think he looks that awkward. I think his ball skills are excellent, and so like, I think he could be a wide receiver if he chose to be. So I really want to see how he looks in the spring game because he's been playing primarily wide receiver in. Spring so far. I haven't seen any clips of him playing cornerback. I wonder, I don't know what they're doing. Is he just so dominant of a corner that they can just say, okay, we're going to have you spend the spring playing wide receiver to see how it looks. I just, that, I don't have that legitimately might be the case. Like he's, he's, he's that good. Austin, any particular storylines that you're tracking this weekend? Yeah. Is Colorado playing like a normal uh, game? Just because I know they've had, and this like they they had it was going to happen. They have had so many guys in the portal. Like I honestly don't know. Do they have like because Penn State has had some of those issues the past couple years where they've like you know couldn't really play a game. So I I honestly don't know. Um, So here's actually a sneaky game that I think is worth watching in the afternoon because a lot of the games are a little bit earlier. Let's go over to Stanford. 
I knew you were, I knew, I knew you were going there. I know where we're going. All right, let's do it. I, I am so intrigued by Stanford because for the past, I don't know, 15 years, they've had two different coaches who have had basically the same exact offensive philosophy. You know, they're not going to really air the ball out too much unless they have Andrew Luck. Obviously there's an exception to that role, but they've, they've primarily been a, you know, a rushing team, a, a lean on our defense team. And we're happy to score 26 and the team scored 23 and we go home and everybody's happy. But it's a new sheriff in town at Sacramento State last year. Their new head coach, what's it's T Taylor, right? Tell yeah, Taylor. He they so last year at Sacramento State, which is an FCS program, they ran as a team for 3,368 yards. They passed for almost an equal amount, three uh, 3,335 yards, and they put up 43 points a game. They made it pretty far in the uh, FCS championship. Uh, they lost in like the quarterfinals or the semifinals or something. More importantly, though, they ran over a thousand plays. They play extremely up tempo. It is a total 180 from what they've been doing in the past. And they don't bring back a lot of intriguing production. So I'm not saying it's necessarily this year that's going to be like the really interesting buy in year, but if I can start getting an idea of who might be the quarterback for the next couple of years, what that backfield might look like after EJ Smith is done, if any of the wide receivers are standing out. I mean, this is an offense that I think I'm going to want pieces in eventually. And the Pac-12 isn't getting any stronger over the next couple of years. In fact, it's probably getting weaker. So <laughs> I, I, I think Stanford's really, really intriguing to make this huge switch. Probably won't happen in one year. But I think that's just a cheap offense that I want to monitor because it could pay off dividends in, in leagues across the next couple of years. And we kind of like Miles Jackson, the quarterback, the freshman quarterback going there, right? Yeah, he's interesting. And they have Jackson Harris, who's this freshman wide receiver that I really like. Like he... A uh, little bit of like a smaller high school guy and a little bit of a, a, a later breakout kind of guy. But he has the same athletic measurables. At Like he's one of the most athletic guys in the class. He's 6'3", 190-ish pounds. And I, I, he belong, he could fit in athletically at pretty much any Power 5 program. So I, I'm, I, I think he could be a, a sneaky guy too. Tiger Bachmeyer, the other freshman wide receiver. That's brother Hank too. Say he pops in all these models. I I yeah. wasn't blown away, but I mean, it's it, he's intriguing too, and he's three fifty right now. So why not? Yeah. yeah, they they got they have some real interesting pieces. I I agree. The interesting thing about the spring games is it might be your only opportunity to see some of this freshman that you really uh, covet. So, for example, uh, Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma might be your only opportunity to see him. I don't know if Austin Mack is on campus for, for uh, Washington. I don't think that he is, so he won't be there until the yeah. fall. Um, but, uh, you know, Justice Haynes, the, the running back that we've been talking about at Alabama, uh, we get to see where he places. Um, is it Malachi Coleman at Nebraska? Malachi Coleman at, at yeah. Nebraska, the athletic wide receiver there. Uh, but, you know, so some of these freshmen we get to see. I want to see who's going to be taking the helm for uh, Muhammad Abraham at Minnesota. You know, to what extent is, is the sophomore Zach Evans involved uh, there? That's one thing that I'm going to be tracking. Jaquindon Jackson, he continues to make the transition from quarterback to running back. Does he look more like a running back this year, given that he would be building his body for a year or two, transition to that position? And by the way, to me, Jaquindon Jackson looked much more fluid and natural as a running back. Uh, than someone like Cam Cam Seldon to me did he was running into the back of his offensive lineman a couple of times he did not look natural isn't isn't Jaquin and Jackson like twenty two years old though to be fair I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm he's just the same he's the same class as Hudson Card so I don't know if he's an older prospect but I mean he's you know so um 
Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow at Alabama. I actually want to see what Ty Simpson looks like as a passer. I know that he can uh, run around um, yeah. and make plays off script. I want to see kind of what he looks like. And then what does that Alabama offense look like with Tommy Reese calling the plays? Um, uh, one more with Alabama, Malik Benson. I, I still want to pay attention to this Alabama wide receiver core. I I tend to think that Malik Benson is going to take Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Burton's spot, that you're going to have uh, Ja'Cory Brooks at the X, you're going to have Kobe Prentice at the slot wide receiver, and then I think that flanker position is going to be taken by Malik Benson. He can stretch the field. Is that what we see on on uh, Saturday? And then, of course, you know, Isaiah Bond can do some of the same things. So it's an interesting position. So um, there's the potential that we might be doing a watch-along live stream on Saturday. Not confirmed yet. Not confirmed yet. You know, if we do do it, we'll let people know uh, in the Campus to Camp Discord and then, of course, on, on Twitter. All right. I think... Is that going to be it for us tonight? I think that's going to be it for t- us tonight. Make sure you support the Campus to Camp family. I can't tell you how much we support. Uh, we appreciate the rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts, the commenting on the videos, the liking the videos, uh, all of that stuff. It really, it's the free stuff that you guys do that help us grow. All right, that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curry Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Chris Moxley and Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.